There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Text Message with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. I've got a lovely cup of tea to my west uh, and to my east a mini disc player that I've been using for archival purposes. Uh, fascinating time to be alive. Ian, do you have anything comparable to discuss? I've got a can of lemonade. What, um, fa- what flavour? Mr. Blobby or, or le- right? Okay. No, it's just lemonade, mate. It's just Schweppes lemonade. Well, I just it says Kate came home today with two packets of chocolate-rich tea biscuits, which she's been waiting to find again for years, literally years. Uh, and she came back, and I thought, well, if the world is giving us chocolate-rich tea biscuits, maybe it's only a short step to Mr. Blobby Pink Lemonade. Frankly, the best of the lemonades. Yeah. Um, you can't go wrong putting Mr. Blobby on something. I, don't know. I think you absolutely can. Let's move on. Um, we're not going to talk about the online safety law, because what's the point? We've discussed it to death. Uh, it's law now. Google it if you wish. Uh, we'll revisit it, I imagine, at such a point that it's used to do anything remotely helpful. Um, although, if you are keen to hear me talk about something to do with it, um, we did... I think we mentioned this. I did have Nick Clegg on my Bloomberg you show. You did. You did mention it, and you um, did have him on. And I, yeah. IRL. So we talked about whether it was useful to threaten jailing Mark Zuckerberg, things like that. So that's there. Link in the show notes, of course. Uh, instead, let's have some fun. And by coincidence, we're also going to talk a bit about AI because Rishi Sunak says AI could help make it easier to build chemical and biological weapons, mm-hmm. according to the BBC, or in a worst-case scenario, society could lose all control over AI, preventing it from being switched off. Uh, it's all nonsense, though, isn't it, Nate? Lasai springs instantly to mind. Lasai. Yeah. Why is he talking about this? Good question, myself. Well, the UK is hosting its first <laughs> AI safety summit next week at Bletchley Park. Uh, the goal is to bring together some world leaders, some tech giants, experts, some academics, some journalists uh, to discuss how to create the safest artificial intelligence possible, which is... Let's be fair, that is a worthwhile goal, but it's beginning to look a bit like the birthday party of an unpopular kid in school who sends invites to everyone, bought a crap load of cake and balloons, uh, and then sat to wait if any of the cool kids, or indeed anyone, shows up. And right now, expectants are, I would say, let's call them tepid. We could also call them low. Uh, The government hasn't published a list of who's coming. We do know that of the G7 countries, only Italy's uh, leader said he'd come. Uh, US Vice President Kamala Harris is attending. Nick Clegg and DeepMind's Demis Asabis also apparently coming, although the latter, they do actually live here. So perhaps that's not that surprising. Um, Okay, so I have two questions. Okay. Uh, The first question... No, it's not really a question, actually. It's a statement. I once fell asleep on a train and woke up in Bletchley Park. Nice. Um, It was after a CNET drink i think and i was uh <laughs> listening to one of the songs that rory had fallen in love with um was it cooking by the book. to the floor no it wasn't it was way past then it was it was cooking by the book which is a lazy town 
and uh, who's it a mashup with? Master Guru or something. Anyway, that aside, uh, Nate, what exactly is the point of this? Uh, what well, is that story action? absolutely no. bog all, mate. Uh, well, all right. But uh, that aside, my experience ending up in Bletchley when I went to be in Watford aside, mm. what's the point of this? What do they want to achieve? Yeah. Tell me now. Well, the point of it, I think, is... I think they want to establish the UK as some kind of standards bearer for safe AI. Mm. Uh, In my head, and this isn't anything that's been officially put on the table, but in my head, I kind of feel like Rishi Sunak wants the UK to to be something of a Switzerland, some kind of a neutral entity, because basically all the big AI companies are either American or Chinese. That is a reality that we live in. And the UK will be a, a large beneficiary of whatever happens to AI or could also be in the firing line for harms. So, But we, but we don't really make a lot of it, if we're being honest. In terms of no. the, big, the big companies, it doesn't really come from us. So the role here, but, but we also have a hell of a lot of institutional knowledge, a lot of academics, a lot of scientific grounding. We have created significant AI companies, DeepMind being one notable example of that, but there are others that are just not quite as big or successful. But I Can think I, that if, if well, you, but if you, if you say that we have the knowledge, but we don't necessarily have the commercial skin in the game, as some of the other players do, then it could put you in a good position to be something of a mediator or standards setter and help convene the world in a way that perhaps isn't as easy for the US or China or or anywhere else to do. The way I heard it framed was the UK is big enough to be a significant import to the industry so you know they they want to keep us on side but we're also apparently and i dispute this slightly small enough to move quickly and that therefore us setting regulatory standards is useful for the rest of the world because we can do it quicker than anywhere else i will just point out that the online harms slash safety bill has been going on for what four years now so that sort of poo-poo well, that l- much, doesn't l- it? let's not forget that ai doesn't respect geographical borders tensions or anything like that and so this is not going to result in regulation like that's not what this is it, it might involve coming up with ideas for what a regulation could be or what it could look like but it's not going to be that's not what it's that's i just don't believe that's that's the intention here i mean how could it it's it's not it's not um i think that what we are going to end up getting for this is from this is something very similar to what's already happened in the u.s where uh, president biden convened i think seven leaders i know clegg was there i think sam altman was there some others and essentially got them to sign a, a pledge like an agreement about how ai should be should be developed like principles that were agreed to and i think maybe that something similar to that will come out of this. I, I think he wants to create some sort of a, a think tank or an institute or something that can review the the large language models and some of the underlying frameworks to the most advanced AI so that they can be examined by lots of people and independently conclude and divide you know derive some independent conclusions about you know maybe are these safe is this the right way forward are the safeguards in place uh have we caveated whatever needs caveating um and then maybe from that you get good ideas for regulation or changes that other jurisdictions and other countries uh, and businesses can adopt that's a potential what i actually think could end up happening 
is that it becomes a lot of waffle about good intentions and wouldn't it be excellent if AI didn't destroy jobs and didn't make it easier to create uh, chemical weapons, whereas the reality oh. of the situation is that it is going to destroy jobs and it will create them and you can already use technology to tell you how to make chemical weapons. The, the nuance in all of this is what is important and it's not, I don't think, going to be the nuances that get discussed and that's no that's, that's it's it, it i also heard someone say that it, it wasn't being viewed as a particularly important conference that it was very much a sort of a a buzzwordy thing which which makes sense and i mean it, it always annoys me and i'm sure it annoys you too because it's your very much your area of expertise at the moment um you know there's ai doing a lot a huge amount of different things in, in a variety of fields and some of it very useful uh, some of it keeping us safe, some of it obviously infringing on our rights. But, you know, it's the whole thing is a bit complicated and, you know, there's, there is so much nuance to it. And I was I had LBC on in the kitchen when I was making the kids lunch earlier and I heard them say, oh, we want to hear about, you know, what you think to uh, AI. And I was like, why are you asking them, the people? I mean, you know, obviously it matters what people think, but do the people really have a grasp of it? Do they understand what's going on with AI? Do they even really understand it apart from, you know, the the generative AI aspect of it that I would argue is, you know, only touching AI anyway, really? Yeah, I mean, the generative stuff has been in development for a little while, but ChatGPT is not even a year old at this point. Generative oh, AI... That's mind-blowing, isn't it, really? Yeah. Generative AI has been ticking around in the background for, let's say, in, in decent form since about 2018, 2019, maybe. Deep learning since a little past 2010. And then AI and machine learning and computer vision back to the 50s. Um, so it's it, this has all been around for a while. But, but when you see what's possible with generative AI, you see the potential, very realistic potential for gains and harms and losses and that's why everyone got very very excited about it um but the nuances will be will be the most interesting things and i mean did you say whether or not there was uh any you know resemblance about this to the pledge that joe biden signed no uh, no because we don't really know yet exactly what's going to come out of this that the government's actually been a little bit um opaque about what's going on on the inside which to be fair, might be a metaphor for AI itself. We don't really know how it works. We just know that it does. Um, so maybe there's a, a little bit of irony there. I strongly doubt it, but I'm sure we'll revisit this in a week's time when we know what comes out of it. The thing is, and I was saying this to somebody earlier today, actually, it's hard to see how this could make anything worse. If you're, well, convening, if you're convening a lot of people and having a conversation then you're not necessarily making the situation worse. You're not making people less informed. Even if you're speaking in an echo chamber, it is an echo chamber of things that you may already have heard. And so it's hard to think that that's going to be worse. It's, it's whether it makes it useful and who is attending. I'm going to be very interested to see how much time and attention is, is given to the big tech companies versus the independent academics. Because the problem we had with social media is that it was largely unchecked in terms of its accelerated growth. Um, and we ended up in a situation where a very, very, very small group of companies, mostly American and a little bit Chinese, have 
basically had their hands around the world's economic and political developments over the last 20 years. And I think that there's quite a decent bit of appetite to avoid that happening again. And yet when you look at who the biggest players in in AI are, they are largely the ones who derive the money to do what they're doing now from the previous, the aforementioned unchecked growth, thanks to investments Uh. in cloud computing and social media and advertising and so forth. So I think that is good reason to have these things. We'll see what benefit comes out of it, uh, or at least we'll judge what we think is the benefit coming out of it in, in a week's time. But uh, but it's happening. So it's something to be aware of. You're going to read a lot about it. I have to say, I read one of the documents that the government had published. It's like a white paper, but it was sort of, I think they wrote it as to serve as something of a template for discussions at the event, which starts on the 1st of November. And it's about 30 pages long. I read the whole thing. And as a primer for the front-running benefits, concerns, developments, and technological um, standings of current AI, it's pretty decent. It's a good comprehensive overview of where we are. I'll include a link to it in the in the mm. show notes. You can access yeah. it for free. It's written in in, in relatively accessible language, and uh, and I would say that that it it is a good summary. It's it is fair, uh, and I think whoever put that together did a did a good job of that. So it's that that's good. And if that does form the base of conversations, then great. But it is it is tilted in favor of doom rather than benefits. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm just not getting that sense with it with AI. I mean, look, I think um, there's so there's so much potential for it, and realistically, humans aren't going to just cede power to AI without some thought first. I mean, it's easy to go down this kind of, oh, you know, it'll take away all our jobs. I mean, you know, I don't really mind if it takes away the job I have of sometimes having to fill in a spreadsheet. You know, like I'd be thrilled if AI read my email and put everything in a spreadsheet for me. That would be absolutely top banana. But, you know, and, there are several studies yeah. that show that something like 50% of all the jobs that we now have today didn't exist 50 years ago. Mm. You know, well, yeah, that is computers that is, weren't a thing. That is a thing. And that's worth bearing in mind. Yeah, it is. I mean, of course, things will change. It's inevitable, but we, you know, just have to be, you know, aware of it. I, I'm, I'm all for using AI in my job to make things less tedious, which is really what AI could be quite good for, you know. And it's also extremely good for managing extreme, you know, large data sets that I physically could not look through. You know, if I want to know something that happened, look up a record of something, you know. AI is going to be a but, lot better at that. Anyway, but that's 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 because you're illiterate. Illiterate? What well, can't yeah. read? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm still going to be able to read. It's, well, I suppose it could read it to me. Mm. <laughs> Charlotte says, uh, I also think that working from home, we were more productive and now we're back in the office. We're expected to maintain the same level and that's not sustainable. AI helps us to be more productive. It I does. Could, I, I, just, I have to travel for an hour and a half to get to the office. And uh Yeah. It you seems know what, like though? a waste of time. Go Do you on. know what? I found, not to be a contrarian here, but I found the exact opposite to be true now. And before the pandemic, I used to do maybe a day a week from home. And th- on that day, I'd get so much more done because I could focus. Whereas today, 
I am glad that I'm spending four days in the office because I cannot get anything done at home anymore. Really? I Is just it because pre- of two dogs? It's not just the dogs. It's just everything. It's procrastination. It's they're not really being being a, a big difference between where I'm sitting or what I'm doing for work and and home. The distractions are there, you know. So yeah, every- I get I get that. I get that. I do get that. But yeah, well, it's not really related to this conversation. But I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, well, like a fully functioning train, let's move forwards. <laughs> Sixty years of Doctor Who will finally stream all in one place in the UK, Nate. I know you're a, a massive Who fan, uh, and Doctor Who's getting a new home. Well, sort of. Uh, for the first time in the in- the entire history of the show, will be available on iPlayer. Um, of course, what, there are gaps. All eight hundred odd episodes. Yes. Well, no, because there are some gaps early on. I mean, famously. A lot of the broadcasts that were originally went out were not retained. Um, you know, there were various things. Some of it was put on magnetic tape that was too expensive. I mean, there are a lot of different opinions about why it happened. Some of it might have been erased accidentally. Some of it might have been reused because the tape stock was so expensive. And back then, we had a very different opinion of how media would um, would you know would be. People thought that things would be on once, and that was it. You know, it was. A, a, a sort of play mentality right you know you don't you know you don't have a play and record it and then show the play to all the subsequent audiences on a tv you put a new performance on i mean you know i'm not saying that's how they were thinking about it because it's a different medium anyway i noticed nate has been going through this and uh changing season season to series anyway um so <laughs> so the uh that it will finally offer viewers one place to go for Doctor Who. Now, you might ask me um, why this hasn't already happened. Ian. Yeah. Why hasn't this already happened? Well, that's a good question, Nate. Uh, It's complicated because the rights for Doctor Who were obviously sort of always sat with the BBC, but then they had this, they had that joint venture, didn't they, with ITV BritBox. And Mm. ITV has subsequently bought all of BritBox, I think. So it's now an ITV thing. I don't think the BBC's content isn't, may not be there anymore. At least a lot of it isn't. But that did give them the opportunity, along with um, the new Disney deal, which I'll come to in a bit, to sort of Put it all in one place. So now all of the various spin-offs, including Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures, and even behind the scenes Doctor Who Confidential, which has ended but was great, will be available to rewatch. And there's loads of other material they're putting online to support it, like photos and rare audio. There's a load of audio, uh, sort of audio left over from the video that's missing. So you'll be able to maybe listen to some episodes there's they've they've done things in the past where they've animated gaps so if there's a a bit of video they don't have they've like animated their way through it uh just so people can see the whole story anyway with that all set up doctor who's about to start an entirely new adventure um the, the bbc's done this deal with disney Uh, which will be the home of the show outside of the UK and Ireland. Um, New episodes will debut on Disney Plus around the same time as uh, they do on iPlayer, I believe. For a global audience, which is also a first, kind of, um, that deal will start with the next series when the 15th Doctor starts his tenure. Um, The people who've watched 
sex education will will know the name of the man i've forgotten it and i should have written it down and i haven't but he's brilliant anyway um and he's taking over uh next year so the show is 60 years old in november and there'll be a few new episodes with uh david tennant returning um it'll be on telly if you own such a device um and from the 23rd online presumably that's the same time as the air date um yeah any questions about this i wonder what precedent this sets for other historic shows that have not necessarily been available on coronation the street you're talking about coronation street aren't I'm, you? I'm thinking about things like that <laughs> ones where you can't that get is on itvx though isn't it or at least what bits I, of it are. okay well what i mean is is that there are a lot of shows doctor who is actually a bad example of this something like dragon's den is mm. a good example or the apprentice or things that have been on for many years if not a few decades where you cannot like there is no destination anywhere legally that you can go and well. stream all back episodes of and i don't care about reasons to do with rights it's just well, a fact. I was- <laughs> That was what I, I was going to say. So I don't, BBC I, just doesn't own Dragon's Den. That's the big we, problem there. We we know the rights are, are the issue, but I feel like if you can sort something out to the point that you could do this with Doctor Who and you could do deals with Disney and all this kind of thing, then it sets potentially a precedent or at least a belief that it could be possible. And that could change the game for regional rivals to things like Netflix. Imagine an iPlayer where you could go and you name a show that's been on the BBC that's homegrown, at least UK grown, not just made overseas and bought and mm. aired here. Stuff like your Dragon's Dens, um, where you go and everything is there and you can and you can watch them all. You'd mentioned Coronation Street, soaps, neighbours, home and away, like old soaps where well, there's loads. I mean, Amazon t- is putting neighbours on i don't know if it plans to do every single episode but it certainly did the last two seasons and now new episodes are airing three days a week i think and i noticed that they added two series or at least two big collections of episodes of noel edmund's classic deal or no deal on (laughs) on amazon in hd i love it i love a bit of deal or no deal it's one of the most brilliant mindless pieces of utter trash um (laughs) But it's but it's it's great background viewing when you're doing something else. And again, imagine those or the weakest link. This is the one I've been trying to find. I've been building a collection of old weakest link episodes because Why? You, you cannot get them. They're available nowhere. Like every now and again, somebody uploads a random old one on YouTube, and I've got an alert set up, and I can find them, download them, and just keep them in an archive. But I'm always permanently hoping that the BBC or equivalent for other shows would just set something up where you can stream this back catalogue and i would pay good money to access a huge back catalogue of stuff like that you know blind date from itv cannot get those for level money anywhere but imagine watching loads of back episodes of 1990s blind date it'd be hilarious doable that that isn't that is an owned property i think isn't it itv probably has the rights to that i don't know nate is the answer i mean you say let's ignore rights but you can't that's the whole point of it like you know i i get that you don't want to invest yourself with that argument but ultimately that's what that's what stops it there's nothing stopping well the bbc's rules actually do prevent it from doing something like this there are rules in place that say that it has to air 
things that are on iPlayer. They have sought, I think, and have been given permission to change those rules, which might be why this is now possible, because previously there was a 30-day window. You could, if it, if it was on TV, you could put it on iPlayer and it could stay there for 30 days. It may be that that has now come into effect and that's part of the reason they're able to do this. Um, and certainly, technically, all of those things I would say exist digitally. I, I know the BBC did a huge archive project where it went through and digitized all of its library. I mean, that might still be going on, but yes, you know, they started, they started putting those on iPlayer under uh, it's called something like from the vault or from the archive. Mm. If you go to if you go to iPlayer, it's it's a bit buried, but you go to categories and from yeah from the archive. And there are loads of old things in here. Some of them relatively recent, but they do include a lot of very old black and white things, like really yeah. old things, like uh, you know documentaries about how a tube line was made. I remember watching uh, watching that. Well, those and, are great, aren't they? Yeah, stuff from you the know six, that, that, 50s that, and looking 60s. at stuff. And I mean, obviously, that it brings out the most tedious people in the world. Oh, look how things used to be, as dirty children run around war bombed houses and you know it's all great apparently somehow anyway yeah you know i mean it's a it's a part of our heritage right like you know it's it's it would be a terrible shame wouldn't it if if we given that the technology is now absolutely within our reach if we didn't you know make use of some of the fact that we've got this stuff and we could access it but i don't know talk talk to copyright law it's an ass um (laughs) also an ass uh the fact that Ireland does extremely badly out of it. I remember um talk seeing some conversations happening on uh, the site formerly known as Twitter. Um and apparently Ireland, uh southern, not northern, doesn't have access to iPlayer. It does have access to BBC One, but iPlayer isn't included in that. So w- where are they gonna get their streaming Doctor Who from? And they're not gonna get Disney. I don't think so because the deal is UK and Ireland is BBC, everywhere else is Disney. If you're an Irish person, I'm sure this this comes up quite a bit in Ireland. I think it's annoying, and I t- completely get it. Um, they don't have access to iPlayer. Drop us a note, let us know. Hmm. Yeah, definitely do. And if you've got any other thoughts on uh, stories we've talked about today, also drop us a line. Hello at UK Tech Show. Dot com. That's where you can send all of your things. Uh, and if you like things, then prepare for this bit of sound. <laughs> I'd like to quickly thank some patrons for supporting us in the most direct way possible, i.e. joining our Patreon. People well, that's like not for- the most direct way possible. They could support us by coming to our houses and holding our hands while we do the show. Hmm. I mean, that would be very direct support. Do you want... Captain Kremen showing up at your house, holding your hand, yeah, caressing sure. you. Well, I mean, not you don't have or to Fernando make it weird. Or Charlotte, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if any of these listeners showed up at your house and held your hand, it would. Charlotte be weird. says she's in the bushes outside. I wonder what the rustling was. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think well, our, our patrons are great. They absolutely. I mean, you know, the the financial helps us keep the show on the air. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but the emotional support they give us actually is second to none as well. So you can join patreon.com forward slash UK tech, whole bunch of stuff there. You get to listen live. You get the back catalog, unedited shows, extra message, and feel like 
part of a little group of friends because that's what you all are uh, and if you're one of them prepare for our third story of the week Well, that's going to do it for this week. We just had a rather fun journey into our monitor setups, past and present, with some rather classic photos of our desks over the years. You can check those out if you are a patron in our Discord or on patreon.com slash UK tech. That's going to do it for now. Ian, do you have any final passing thoughts you would like to give to our dear, dear listeners? Um, don't do or say anything near Nate because he always has a photograph and or video and or audio of it. Very is true. Is what I've learned during the course of this show. This is not a surprise to you. I know that for a fact. <laughs> no, you should see some of the other stuff I've got photos of that involve oh, you. Well, oh. maybe not. No, or maybe. I don't take photos because I like to forget. <laughs> 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 Goodbye, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening. See you next one.